Hey, this is Steve Patterson. Yes, the Steve Patterson. Welcome to showbizmonkeys.com. Around this town, I'm alright. Around this town, I'm alright. I mean, no consequence when you're playing with the fire. So can you talk a little bit uh, about your start in stand-up comedy? Uh, from what I understand, your first career was as a science teacher, but did you have the comedy bug at an earlier age than that? Um, I, I, I thought that I was funny, but I wasn't. I was just annoying, really, and really naughty. <laughs> um, and so I, I was always wanted to be on the stage and do things on the stage, and I was in all the school plays and... Um, and I did all things like that, but I, I never thought that uh, comedy was um, a possibility. I never thought I'd be a comedian. I I never thought of that. Okay. Um, well, then, what what did make you decide to get on the stage for the first time? Well, I was teaching in the East End of London, which was quite rough, mm-hmm. and uh, I was teaching in a really rough school, and the, and the children were very naughty. And I was, uh, well, I hated them, and, and they hated me, We'd, and I didn't want to be there, and they didn't want to be there. So, to make the time pass, really, I used to just kind of entertain them and tell them jokes, and then I thought, I may as well, I loved writing comedy, so I may as well go and try and write some comedy for TV or something, um, and get out of this situation. And so I went to, and I, I just went on a writing course. I went to do a writing course, and because I, I was interested in comedy, but I didn't still, I didn't think that I was going to be a comedian. Uh-huh. I never, I'd never been to watch uh, live stand-up comedy before in my life, and, and I'd never been to a comedy club in my life. I'd never been anywhere really or done anything, and um, um, I, I'd only ever watched comedy on TV. I didn't really know what stand-up was really. So was it uh, was it when you mentioned taking this uh, comedy writing course? Was it someone yeah. there that kind of nudged you towards stand up and told you to well, check it out? What happened is, um, as part of the course, we had to write. The teacher asked us to write something about us that was truthful and um, honest and personal. And the class was full of like accountants and lawyers and doctors <laughs> and. And uh, people like that who who harbored this secret desire to be a stand-up comedian. And they had very conservative jobs. And as part of the course, we had to write something that we hated about ourselves, or and that was personal. Mm-hmm. And I wrote about how I had a lot of facial hair, and I had a beard and a mustache, mm-hmm. which was true. And I had... Um, a difficulty getting rid of it, and I didn't know what to do about it. And um, how people would just stare at me, and they didn't know if I was a man or a woman, and stuff like that. And I got up in front of the class, and I, I read it, and, and everybody started laughing. And um, that was uh, that was the first time I'd got up, really, and done stand-up. And the teacher said, oh, this was really funny you should you should go out on the circuit and perform this and I didn't know what the circuit was <laughs> and I didn't know why she wanted me to do this um, and um, I just thought I just wanted to write comedy what you know why do you want me to go and start telling everybody about this and everyone was laughing and, and then uh, she just she said to a few of us that you should 
go to these rooms above pubs in Soho in London and read out what you've written here. And I was still teaching in the day, and I was really worried that people were going to find out that I was doing this in the evening mm-hmm. while I was still still a teacher. But I went out a couple of nights um, with the rest of, with some other people in the class, and I, I performed this stuff about my my hairy my hairiness, my moustache, and uh, my beard and stuff. And it was just like four or five people in a room above a pub. And it was really weird, and I just, I, I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know that this was a circuit or that this was the beginning of any comedy or stand-up comedy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, um, but every time I did it, people would laugh. And I liked that feeling of um, people laughing, and uh, I just, it just carried on. But I, I never thought I would give up my job. I never thought I would stop being a teacher. I never thought that I would become a comedian. Um and after that, I just started to, for the first time, I started to go to comedy clubs and watch other comedians and see what comedy was. And um, and then I, that's how I became interested in it, is by watching other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, stand-ups often talk about how it, it, it takes time to find their voice and reveal themselves more in their act, but it sounds like Right from the very beginning, you had a touch of that anyway. You were, you were getting pretty personal about... Uh, things you were going through and bringing that into your act. Uh, did you find that there was a point where you fully shifted into delving deeper into yourself on stage? Um, well, in the beginning, I was do- saying these things because I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> um, so I was just going along with it because people would say, oh, this is what I saw people talking about was personal things about themselves. And I thought, well, that's what you have to do. That's what you do. That's stand-up comedy mm-hmm. I didn't realize that um, that you have to really delve in deep and you know think about uh, what you want to say and your point of view and I, I, I didn't know any of that I just thought right you tell everybody about all the things about yourself that you hate <laughs> or that you like um, and um, it's and then when I did realize what I was doing I didn't want to tell anybody anything about myself <laughs> um, and um, it ta- I, I realized that uh, it takes a long time to, to get good, to be really authentic. Mm-hmm. It takes a very long time to, to get to that point where you know what you're saying, you understand what you're saying, and you have a point of view and an opinion about that, and that, um, um, and that it's truthful as well. Because I think when you when you are really really truthful about yourself, then you become very vulnerable, and then you really worry about what people think. And um, whereas you know, in the beginning, I I didn't realize any of that, but it ta- it takes a long time, I think, to to get good. Can you can you look back now and kind of see where that shift happened for you, and and see when you when you really felt like you opened up? Um. Well. I don't think that's really fully happened yet. I think it happens incrementally. Like slowly, slowly, I will stay and do different things, and then um, they just feel truthful to me, and I don't uh, feel like I'm saying anything shocking or disturbing or outrageous. It just feels truthful to me. Yeah. And that happens. That's been happening very slowly. Um, uh, uh, as time has gone on, the less that I care about people and what they think, the less I care about the audience, 
the less I care about whether I'm going to die on stage or whether people are not going to laugh. I think when you when you fully not care about anything, when you totally lose all your boundaries and you don't care, then I think that that's when you become really free, uh, free of what other people think and free of the audience and the situation, and you just be yourself. Uh, I think that takes a, a long time. Yeah, and there's a there's a level of uh, fearlessness with that. Mm. Yeah, but you don't you don't think that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I think you do have to be that. Yeah, for sure. Um, now, uh, watching your stand up, uh, you have uh, what I consider to be a very uh, wonderfully dry delivery that I enjoy. Um, does 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 that come from? Uh, your your influences as you started to develop them, or was that how you were right from the very beginning? Uh, I think in the beginning I was. Uh, I think in the beginning I was uh, nervous and scared, um, and I was just really worried, and I couldn't enjoy my. You can't enjoy yourself, mm-hmm. so I think I was just scared. So I was just standing there, not smiling or anything, and I was worried. You know, people are not going to laugh. But now I think it's because I I don't care whether people laugh or not. Uh, so it's the opposite of that. But the facial expression is still the same. I I still I still think that I'm my I, I just think that I'm myself. I mean, sometimes I mean I do a show every night, or sometimes two or three shows every night. And by the time I get to the second or third one, I I really don't care if people are laughing or not. Yeah. Or uh, how it's going to go. I don't care and I think you know you can see that in my face um who are some of uh, the comics that you now look up to now that you've uh, been a fan of comedy for a number of years um I think well I love uh, I love Greg Poop um every time I see him he makes me laugh mm-hmm. sometimes I, people sometimes I can see comedians and they don't make me laugh but I think that they're amazing uh, and I think, oh God, he's he's really great, but he doesn't make me laugh, or she doesn't make me laugh. Yeah. But um, I mean, Greg Proops makes me laugh. I think he's, uh, you know, I kn- I knew him from England when, um, you know, he did a lot of comedy here in England. Whose yeah, line yeah. is it anyway? And stuff. And he has a very English, he's very intelligent English sense of humour. A lot of the people that I admired are all dead now. Um, and uh, but you know, I, I still watch. I still get out their work and watch their work, and and I can still laugh at them. Um, I like Margaret Cho as well. Um, she makes me laugh. Uh, but you know, people like um, Joan Rivers and and Richard Pryor, they're dead. But I can still watch their work and still laugh. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a sign that they were really great because some of their stuff is really old. But I still find it funny. Now, like 20, 30 years later, I still think that's funny. Um, so, you know, I think that they're great too. Yeah, I find it interesting that you mention, yeah, certain comedians that you can recognize are really good, even if they don't make you laugh, because thinking yeah. about it, I find that myself with some comedians. There are some where, you know, no matter what they do, I, I lose it. But other times I can just objectively kind of look and say, this is brilliant, this is funny, but it might yeah. not elicit that that reaction and sometimes i see a comedian who really makes me laugh and then afterwards i can't remember a word they said when <laughs> i've left the room but i knew that when i was in the room i was laughing mm-hmm. 
And there were, there's other comedians who don't make me laugh, but I think they're amazing, and I will remember their material word for word afterwards, but they didn't make me laugh at the time. But then it reminds me of when people are in my audience. They're usually always on the front row for some reason, and they never laugh, and they, st- and they just sit there, stony face. They are the worst audience, uh-huh. and then afterwards they'll come up to me and they'll go, oh, my God, that was amazing. And I <laughs> You just didn't help me at all, sitting there like I like I was so unfunny. You didn't laugh at all, and now you say I'm amazing. That, I mean, that doesn't make any sense, and it doesn't help me at all. Yeah, there's that disconnect. <laughs> so, um, so then I always try to think to myself: if people are sitting on the front row and they're not laughing, you never know. They could be just uh, just really enjoying it and thinking this is amazing, but they're just not showing it. Mm-hmm. I'm uh, I'm friends with quite a lot of uh, stand-up comics, uh, which which means generally people around me are funny. But uh, somehow it seems that some of the people that make me laugh the most are the people that aren't comics and definitely would never be comics. Uh, do you have people in your life that are like that 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 you find uh, yeah make you laugh more than any of the comedy you see? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There's there's people like that who are really, who just make me laugh all the time. I have some friends like that and some family who make me laugh all the time, but I know that if they got on stage, they would die on their ass every <laughs> night and they would just not be funny at all. And uh, which makes me think that, you know, comedy is a craft mm-hmm. and no matter how funny you are, you have to work at that craft to, and, and you, it's, you have to graft and you have to craft what you say on stage uh, otherwise, everybody would be doing it. Um, but the thing is, the people in, that make me laugh in my life, they're kind of um, just naturally funny people who have funny things to say and do funny things, um, are in funny situations, but they they would never have the ability to craft that into something and present it to an audience, mm-hmm. which is a different, it's a different thing altogether yeah absolutely and that's why a lot of comedians are not funny in real life because well you don't have to be funny in real life do you yeah that's they just have to be funny when it when it counts (laughs) you just have to be funny when you're getting paid for it i mean i get very funny when money is involved when money is involved i get i'm hilarious but apart from that no i'm never and people are always really disappointed you know when they meet you in real life and they call you you're not that funny. Oh yeah, you always hear about comics get get the question, you know. Oh, you're 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 comic. Well, tell me a joke. Just be funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you still uh, work out your material at open mics when you're back home in the UK? Oh yeah. I mean, how will how else will you know if it works or not? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's one. You know, you, your friends get tired of you after a while. I mean, I. <laughs> You try, and then also people know then that you're trying out material. Yeah. If you have a conversation and you try something out, then people know. Um, and you, I, I always go to open mics. I, I go uh, two or three times a week to try out new things. You have to do that, really. Mm-hmm. Well, some, some of those, I've been to a few uh, of the smaller venues in, in London, and I mean, they're they're small and interesting places uh, do you still go to some of those smaller ones yeah because i don't want to try out new material in front of 400 people right um um so i just kind of would slip it in in the middle of a set if i'm doing a normal set somewhere or um i would um 
you know, just do it to, to like, 10 people mm-hmm. at a new material night. Well, that's, yeah, I mean, and I, I guess that also helps you just stay connected with uh, what is, you know, up and coming in, in the comedy world. And also, you don't want to, you don't want things to get too easy. Because then when things get easy, you think you've cracked it, and then you um, uh, you get laid back about it. And you want to still realize that it's difficult to write new material, to try out new material, to see if it works or not, and then to go home and rewrite it. Now, does your material itself, I know you've traveled around the world quite a lot, uh, uh, does it does it translate everywhere you've gone, or have you noticed you have to kind of shift things and try out different things depending on uh, where you're performing? Yeah, I, I have to change things depending on where I'm performing, um, because different places are interested in different things. So um, this weekend I'm going to India, um, so they they said to me that they don't want me to talk about anything, any of the politics in the south of India. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm not, I won't do that. Whereas normally, you know, I might do a bit of material about the area that I'm in when I'm there. Mm-hmm. But I, they, they said they, they don't want me to do that. Um, and then if I go to other places, like when I went to Dubai, they say, you know, don't talk about sex or drugs. Um, and so... I have to tailor my set to the area, but generally I like to, whatever I say to one group of people in one country, I like to say that to everybody everywhere all over the world because people are not that different wherever you go. Mm-hmm. Um, and and things translate, you know, like relationships and family and traveling and politics and things like that. They all, they all kind of translate and people can relate to them. Now, besides uh, stand-up, which you've, uh, you're very accomplished in. Uh, you also do a lot of writing for different publications and websites. Uh, do you like the freedom of going more deeply into topics without necessarily needing to find a punchline? I um, yeah. I mean, I write for the Guardian a lot, but I write lots of different things. About mm-hmm. the column that I had, which was a weekly column, I would always make that funny, whatever I was writing about. But then they then I they might ask me to write. Um, um, so the Financial Times, they asked me to write an article recently about um, uh, satire and why it's important, you know, because of what happened in France mm-hmm. um, with the Charlie Hebdo cartoons. So they didn't want me to write about that, but they wanted me to write about why satire was important. So I wrote about that, and it wasn't, you know, a funny article, but I could talk about, you know, why it's important for comedians to satirize things. And that's interesting because that's my field. That's what we do, mm-hmm. like comedians do, take the piss out of everything and anything and kind of freedom of speech. And So I was able to talk about that in depth and what I think about that without being funny because sometimes not everything is, is stand-up material, Yeah. but it is of interest to a comedian. But it doesn't always work on stage you know, in the format of a of stand-up comedy. So... Sometimes it's nice to be able to write about things that you feel strongly about or that you have an opinion on, but would never work in in a comedy club. Yeah. Would you ever expand on that even further and maybe uh, delve into writing a book? Um, For the past 10 years or whatever, ever since I started stand-up, people are always trying to get me to write a book (laughs) all the time. And um, the thing is, 
I mean, I don't want to write a book just for the sake of writing a oh, book. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I've I've put I've been putting it off for so long because I wanted to. I didn't have an idea for something for a book that I wanted to write. I didn't have an idea. Uh, obviously, I don't want to write an autobiography or anything like that. Right. But I want. I wanted. I do want to write something. And now I'm getting. I think about it all the time. And I've written so many columns for newspapers over the years. And now I've got closer. That's helped me to get closer to an idea to what I'd like to write a book about. But when I do, um, I, you know, obviously I'd like it to be funny because that's what I do. Right. Hmm. Now, now you're after India, you are, of course, coming uh, to Canada and to the Winnipeg Comedy Festival. Um, yeah. You've been here a couple times before. Have you, yeah. uh, in your previous trips, have you noticed the festival uh, grow over time? And what are you expecting uh, this time around? Yeah, I mean, the first time I did it, uh, I, I did a gala show and then I did another show. And it, it was always really well organized. Um, and then the second time I came, it, it was bigger than the first time. Um, and I, it was really great because I, I got to meet lots of different comics from uh, other parts of the world who I would never normally perform with mm-hmm. um, and uh, see different types of comedy, which I would never see. But I, I remember the gala was great. It was really packed. It was about 2,000 people. And um, it was really it was really good. It was really good fun. Uh, yeah, so that's why I said I'd do it again. Uh, finally, uh, what is on the docket for you after Winnipeg? Um, after Winnipeg, I'm going to Norway to do some shows. Then I'm going to L.A. to do some shows. Um, and, um, uh, and then I'm going to Edinburgh, the Edinburgh Festival, with my new show. Showbizmonkeys.com